Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The championship will be decided this weekend. We all know Sydney's a, a crazy weekend, anything can happen, so um, it's, it's clearly a three-horse race. Percat gets a full-time seat. Yeah, I think it's going to be perfect for me, and again, James Rosenberg is a key there, and he's shown a lot of faith in all the drivers he's been with, and uh, hopefully he's the same with me. And touring car master Jim Richards gives us his thoughts on who will win it all this weekend. And there's not a lot between them, but... I'm... That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. This weekend's Sydney 500 will have compulsory pit stops. The teams will need to add fuel and or change at least two tyres with their first trip down pit lane not occurring before lap six for it to count as a compulsory pit stop. It's the first time in a while that we've seen compulsory pit stops reintroduced into V8 supercars and this was because the fuel system that was trialled at the Gold Coast 600 is not ready and they want to do further testing of it before it's introduced full-time next season. Erebus has confirmed that they'll only be running two cars next year. Nick Perkat being announced as the driver of the fourth car at Walkinshaw Performance. The Bathurst winner running the wreck of fellow South Australian James Rosenberg, which has moved across from Erebus. Yeah, well, we've managed to uh, obviously um, get a fourth car here at Walkinshaw Racing uh, with James Rosenberg's uh, come on board, and I can't thank him enough for giving me the opportunity to be his driver in that fourth car. And obviously, um, Walkinshaw have put a lot of faith in me again, running a car for me um, under his licence. And, you know, I've been around here for a little while now and um, I didn't want to go anywhere else. So this is the perfect situation for me. Like I said before, it's my home, my second family and uh, to race with them is just a dream come true and to be on the main series grid's a dream come true. So um, the Homebush weekend works perfectly because it's a bit of a, an insider for me heading into Clipsal next year of where I need to be at fitness-wise, driving the car, engineering, what I need to know about the car to go fast. So it's um, actually worked out kind of perfect in a, a weird twist of what happened with James. Tim Slade will be running a special livery in his final drive for Erebus this weekend, with the heavy haulers Australian signage agreed to be removed to show support for the New South Wales Rural Fire Service. The service, who played a huge role in the New South Wales fires in October and November, being supported with this tribute livery. With the Nissan Altima's launch this week, Rick Kelly has become the face of the car in Australia, as the company looks to translate the V8 supercar program to their road-going models. There's a lot more to driving than driving fast. 
apparently. Kelly, who is preparing for this weekend's season conclusion, laments during the ad of the comforts of the road car over his race car. No comfy seat, no climate control, no GPS, no lane departure warning system, no advanced drive assist display, and where's my Bose sound system? Greg Murphy last weekend secured the New Zealand Super Tourist Championship. The popular Kiwi took out the championship in a thrilling finish at Pukekohe with a second-place run in the third heat alongside Jack Perkins in his car. Pressured all the way by Scott McLaughlin and James Moffat, who finished second in the final heat. Tim Slade, Lee Holsworth, Nick Perkett, Tony D'Alberto, Steve Owen and Chas Mostert all competing across the ditch last weekend. Vet Supercar Magazine is now on sale with new Erebus plan, Nissan's state-of-the-art workshop, James Warburton sharing his view from the top, and a fantastic Bathurst winner poster. The iPad edition is on MagShop, and Android users will find it at Magster. Hard copies in New South Wales are in store now, with the rest of Australia following suit soon. On this week's White Flag Lap, Jim Richards gives us his views on the championship as it concludes in Sydney this weekend. But next up after the break, Adrian Mussolino and John Bannon will join me. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from V8X Magazine, it's Adrian Mussolino, the Editor-in-Chief. Good evening, Adrian. Craig, how are you? I'm very well as we gear up for the grand final. I know someone else who I'm sure is set for a big weekend, and that is John Bannon from V8X Magazine. John, great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Craig. Hi, Adrian. Well, with the grand final upon us, guys, uh, I guess I'll ask you your tips at the end of the show, but... uh, what are you looking forward to most about this weekend, Adrian? Um, obviously, definitely the championship battle is going to be the focal point, and I guess we'll get on to that later, but I'm very intrigued to see how the Twilight race goes on Sunday. Um, if this is the new frontier for the supercars, we're going to see a lot of it next year. So it's going to be interesting to see how it comes across on TV. That's what it's all about, getting prime-time television slots, so it needs to be visually spectacular to really make an impact. So... It'll be interesting to see, you know, the concern is if there's low cloud cover, what impact that has. But I think it should be a success, and hopefully it takes it away from the sort of really hot conditions of the afternoon. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, that Saturday race, John, with uh, just a, a taste of what a mini Clipsal 125 is going to be like. Yeah, I, I guess so. And, and as Adrian's touched on there, it really is the... I think a big focal point for the weekend, having a, a twilight Sydney race. What, what it does do, of course, uh, is gives us a, a, a bit of a yardstick in terms of TV audiences and, and the impact that will have and, and whether this is a, a good idea going forward. 
Uh, and probably what it will also do is it does turn it into a, a long day, I guess, for the teams, the drivers, uh, the fans, the media, uh, everyone involved. And it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how well that goes down. But ultimately, if it turns out to be a good product for television, uh, it will be something that uh, continues. Because if there's uh, money to be made, uh, then, of course, uh, you're going to stick with uh, that product. It's going to be also an interesting an interesting event because there's so much hanging on it and teams haven't for a long, long time had these conditions, Adrian. And so they're really going to be testing the envelope on what the car's going to do in the twilight. Yeah, I mean, conditions are, have always been a concern in Sydney. We saw really hot conditions last year and Saturday's race to the point where Alex Primar um, was severely dehydrated and had to pull out. So it does take it away from those um, hot conditions. There is a slight sort of risk of a bit of rain, a bit of cloud, so that throws an extra mix into it. Um, they are on the hard tyres, so there's you know, no drama there about tyre conditions, but it will definitely be interesting. I think cloud cover will be the big concern to see what that does with the temperatures, but more so visibility, because headlights on a V8 supercar aren't the most effective thing, so um, you know, lighting will be crucial. And, we're going to remember in all this that this is the race that really FPR's championship can't be hinge on. So there's so much at stake. There's going to be a big build-up throughout the day. So um, I think that'll really be the focal point of the weekend and that'll set up the championship battle. Mm. And, and John, also important is the fact that when we've seen this race in the past, we've had so many different winners. We can go back to 2010 where it started raining, the title contenders crashed out and uh, Jonathan Webb took the trophy. Yeah, that's right and it's a very tight circuit uh, so it lends itself to accidents uh, even when it's not raining. Uh, the drivers really have to maintain that, that full concentration and I guess this is where fitness comes into play and, and, and just experience uh, of going around these street circuits and, you know, it is hard. They only go there once a year uh, to, to do this race and everything rests on it, particularly now that we've got a championship on the line. Uh, Adrian there mentioned uh, the, the conditions. I think the, the big thing also to consider will be how how much or little light plays a part, if there's uh, sun in the driver's eyes or likewise shadows and how much that balks them uh, at that time of the afternoon, particularly for that, that Saturday race. And it, there really is just uh, so much to... To play for it's such a, a big stage and, and it is a circuit in which really as you say anything can happen and and anyone can win on and we've, we've had a, a number of drivers um, over the the short lifespan of this race that have really come up and figured in the results even you know, surprises on the podium so uh, it's not going to be uh, plain sailing for these leading title contenders uh, this weekend and Adrian it's a place where the safety car plays such a critical part in it I think Averaging three and a half safety cars. Of course, 2010, there was five. I'm starting to sound like Aaron Noonan now. Yeah, it, 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 we're definitely going to see the safety cars. That's, that's almost guaranteed. It's just that type of track where, you know, one mistake can in the wall and, you know, no gravel traps or anything like that. So what that brings into the equation as well is double-stacking pit lane because we have a situation where two sets of teammates are going to the championship. So track position... 
and qualifying ahead of your teammate is crucial for Mounds and Wing Cup in particular, uh, but also Winner Bottom and Davison. So that is going to be a big factor in the race because if you're double stack during a safety car period, then you're shuffled back in the pack and that's not where you want to be around the street circuit. Mm. John, are you thinking that the safety car could prove to be the uh, the key point on how you can get your strategy, remembering that they've said they've mandated pit stops for this year's race? Yeah, of course. Uh, whenever you, you bring a safety car into a, a race, it changes things. Uh, people rethink their, their pit strategy. People, uh, it bunches the, the pack up. So if, if Jamie... Uh, Wincup, uh, for example, gets a, a lead in one of these races, the, the pack's bunched up, but his tyres are gone in, in developing that lead, uh, then you've got guys behind him who, who can pounce. Uh, and, and, of course, the, the person that will be wanting to do that is, is his teammate, uh, Craig Lown. So the safety car in, in any race will always, uh, uh, I guess, bring everybody closer, uh, but it will also give opportunities uh, to, to drivers who perhaps... Uh, wouldn't have had that uh, chance to run at the front. Mm. Well, there's plenty more going on with the Sydney 500, including uh, I've been fascinated this week by the number of uh, promotions going on in Sydney to try and really uh, hype up the event. And uh, I noticed that there's uh, two-for-one, three-day pass ticket sales and, and, and a lot of things like that going on to really try and pull in the crowd because, as we know, this is the last year on the original contract, but Vert Supercars, of course, have had an extension during the year. Adrian, that's a, a critical factor. They want to try and get as many people in to really show that the event isn't just a, a, a fly-by-night affair. Yeah, absolutely. And remember as well, this is a Vert Supercar promoted event, so the burden really falls on them to get the word out there and attract the crowd. And They've definitely done that, you know, this week. I don't think I've ever seen as much promotion for the event as we have this week. And, you know, perfect storyline to sell as well with four championship contenders going into the last event of the year. So, you know, it will be interesting to see how the crowd is affected by no post-race concerts this year, which has been a big feature of that event in previous years. The Twilight Race is the attraction. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of crowd comes on the Saturday and sort of... They had, you know, the day to sort of go off and do what they need to do pre-Christmas and then come in later to the track for a 5 o'clock start. So it'll be very intriguing to see if they can match the 170,000 plus crowd they got last year. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this race will change. We've seen it change over the uh, the length of its existence already, but they've been really careful this year, I think, more so than ever, on how they are f- putting the money into it, John. That'd be a safe safe way of putting it. Well, yeah, I, like in, in any business decision, you, you want to, uh, I guess, use your money smartly. And uh, I think they're, they're doing that with their, their targeted promotions that they've uh, done this year. Uh, even our, our magazine, V8X, has, has got behind it and got the edition out uh, uh, early for this week so you know the fans have got something to read in in the lead up um, to the to the races on on Sunday I think the other factor is it's quite an easy track to get to that's a big advantage of of having it where it is it's I guess geographically sort of in the center of Sydney and uh, all in addition to that uh, 
the train station is right there at the track, so there's, there's no excuse not to get on the public transport uh, and uh, get out and, um, and, and see what's going to be an uh, epic championship decider and really a, a wonderful event. Hmm. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Plenty more when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back, Adrian Mussolino and John Bannon with me, Craig Ravel. And as we uh, come back from the break, of course, uh, John, you mentioned it before, but Adrian, VX Magazine, a new hope for Erebus, of course, is the cover. An interesting choice of cover, too, Adrian. Yeah, it's um, on sale this week um, in print and digital form, and it's a, um, basically uh, looking at the new manufacturers and the impact they've had, um, Erebus and Nissan, and also looking at the Volvo and their arrival in 2014, so it's out in all good John, of course, uh, well, Erebus is an interesting one because Tim Slade's going to have a special livery in his swong song for the team. Yeah, um, I guess uh, that might uh, help provide him with a little bit of extra motivation um, going to into this weekend. I guess it's been uh, a learning and, and challenging and, and difficult year um, for, for Tim and, and, and the team, uh, but they've had some some very good results uh, at, at times as well, and they're certainly uh, slowly on, on the rise, and you know they've got a very strong driver combination next year, and of course it's been confirmed now that it's two cars for next year, so have Lee Holdsworth um, and uh, a yet-to-be-confirmed driver who, of course, is widely tipped um, to be Will Davison. So, um, yeah, uh, it's always, I think the fans always like um, new liveries on, on cars. Uh, I think Tony D'Alberto's got one for this weekend as well. So uh, I guess it's just a, an extra thing for the, the fans to keep an, an eye on and, um, and something to to take a photo of this weekend. Mm. And Adrian, uh, we see Russell Engel make his final full-time main game appearance, most probably. Yeah, it's looking that way, that this will be his last full-time appearance. I don't think there's any doubt that we'll be seeing him at the Enduros in, in next year and for many years to come. And I think he still has the team. Whether that's Super Chief alongside Tim Slade or someone else, I guess we have to wait and see. But... It'll be interesting to see how he goes this weekend. He's got a great record on street circuits. I think he's finished in the top five of all the street circuits this season. So he could be a factor. And I dare say there's a few grudges that he wants to get out of the system before he retires. So he could definitely be one to watch. Mm. Now, of course, uh, Gary Rogers is in an interesting place because whilst he's not leaving the sport, it's his final time out there with Holden. John? Yeah, uh, I guess um, big changes next year going going to, to Volvo and, uh, of course, having yet to confirm a, a second driver with Scott McLaughlin uh, already uh, putting the pen on a deal for next year. But, uh, yeah, uh, Gary's had a, a, a long association uh, with Holden uh, for a team that 
is uh, not doesn't have the the massive budget of of um, Red Bull and and the like. Uh, they've done a a, fag, a magnificent job, and um, and, and also I, I guess uh, he's really over the years unearthed a, a lot of um, a lot of talent. Um, and you know Scott McLaughlin is, is a, a, a great example of that. Mm. And, and Scott McLaughlin, of course, has uh, won races this year, but the team has had a lot of work to do following the incident at Phillip Island, Adrian. And, uh, well, of course, we haven't touched on yet the fact that James Courtney will be watching the race and Nick Perkat will be the driver of the 22 car, which was shook down at Calder Park this week. Yeah, absolutely. So Gary Rogers Motorsport was forced into rebuild from our car for a final appearance, which is a big workload for the team considering they're building two Volvos for next year and had to rebuild the current Commodore for just the one event. That's obviously the penalties associated with not turning up to an event, so that was necessary. And yeah, Perkett gets a big chance and he has a deal with Walkinshaw for next season, so this is a good introduction. and. It'd be interesting to see how he sort of, you know, whether he's on par with Panda or not over the weekend. He, you know, has been quite aggressive in the past in the Dunlop series and relative, relatively successful on the street circuit. So he's another one to watch, and I think he'll, um, you know, confirm to everyone why he deserves a full-time seat next year. He's, he's got to be the most frustrated driver up until this point, probably... Uh Within the Australian motorsport um, community, he's had you know excellent results in winning his uh, Australian Formula Ford Championship you know several years ago now, and and um, you know has been right up there at, at the top of the, the development series and, and Carrera Cup, and he's he's a Bathurst champion, and uh, probably been the one guy in the field that actually hasn't um, really had his chance, and it's it's finally come, and I'm sure Nick's probably saying thank goodness, but he's probably also um, very pleased with the, the loyalty that he's shown to Walkinshaw, and it's really good um, reward for, the, for that loyalty that he's shown. It's frustrating considering he's had to watch Moster and McLaughlin winning races in their rookie seasons, and he was the one who was expected to come through first, considering that Bathurst win in 2011. So it sort of it brings them all back together, that sort of group from the Dunlop series last year, alongside Scott Pye as well. So... Um, that'll be an interesting dynamic as well between those um, group of drivers going forward. I think they're really the future of the series. And, and interesting because uh, we've got that confirmation that Walkinshaw is four cars next year, Erebus is two cars, and uh, it's looking like uh, we're going to see Dick Johnson race ca- racing secure a second licence, and so they will continue on as a two-car team. And, uh, and that's pivotal in the decisions ahead for um, a lot of drivers and certainly for a number of other teams up and down pit lane who are hoping to uh, either expand their driving stocks or for people who wanted to get into the series. Well, well that's a, a really interesting aspect of, of this weekend. Not only do we have a championship that is on the line, but really we have so many um, drivers uh, who are yet to confirm where they'll be next year if, in fact, they'll be in a seat at all. Uh, you still have um, wrecks that haven't been um, um, bought or leased or uh, 
moved on to particular teams or don't know if they're staying in the, in the teams that they're currently at. So it's, it's, there's a lot of unanswered questions going into the final round of the championship, given that you know, we don't uh, have a big winter break like uh, some of uh, the, the European uh, motorsport categories. It's quite a short summer here in Australia, and they're back into it. And uh, there's a lot of question marks, and it'll be interesting to see if any of them get resolved uh, over the course of the weekend as, as the rumour mill goes into overdrive. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a big weekend for that sort of story, isn't it, Adrian? Yeah, absolutely. And what we're seeing is that so much is sponsors dependent because I think we're seeing the after effects of the financial crisis and a number of sponsors who have been in the sport for a while pulling out. So a lot of it will depend on sponsors and the drivers that are linked with those sponsors. So there's going to be a lot of movement well into January. And um, as John said, there's not a lot of time to sort of get it all sorted because come the middle of February, there's the launch and test day and you really need to be sorted by then. Mm. And, of course, uh, the an interesting question is, will Shane Van Gisbergen stay with Techno and run the only licence that that team has? And what does that mean for Jonathan Webb? Because Jonathan Webb's still a, a very young man in motor racing terms, John. Well, that's, that's what uh, is being said. In fact, I think uh, Jonathan's actually come out and, and said that. Their, their preference is, is to run Shane... Uh, in, in in their car next year, uh, and if you know they can't get a second car, that, that Jonathan will, will, will uh, take the season off. He's got a lot of um, business interests uh, through his Techno brand, uh, which you know is not just the the motor racing arm. Uh, so he, he's also got a lot in, on his plate. I guess to some degree, he's, he's a bit of a poor Dumbrell. You know, he, he has those business interests. He's trying to build up his business, and, and for him, he's, he's considering whether he's got time to race mm. um, as much as anything else, as, as well as the fact that currently um, they don't obviously have a second car for, for next season. I'm, I'm sure he'd love to drive if they, they, they got one, and, 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 you know, it'd be great to see him on the grid. He's, he's someone who um, always put, puts 100% in and, and can um, pack a bit of a surprise as well, as he indicated. Um, he's, he's won a, that race in Sydney uh, in the past, so... Uh, I think Shane will be there next year. Jonathan, it's, that's a big question mark. Mm. And, and another another one is we don't know what's happening with Lucas. Uh, sorry, Lucas Dumbrell's racing because uh, there's speculation over what might happen to that team, Adrian, and also what happens to the uh, Dean Fiore license now, which is currently sitting at Dick Johnson Racing. Absolutely, they're all in play at the moment, and also throw into the mix Tony D'Alberto's license, which he will continue to run, but he needs to pair up with another team, given Walkinshaw's expansion of all cars. He's been squeezed out of that garage, so there's a lot to play out. Um, you know, the question mark at the moment is whether we'll see 28 cars on the grid next year. It could dip under that, given the strain those smaller teams are facing. Um, but just shows how tight the economy is at the moment and how the sport is sort of looking to bounce back in the coming years with, you know, an improved TV deal um, and a better sponsor activation. Um, mm. That's, you know, a lot to play out in these next few weeks before um, that February test day. And um, just on Jonathan Webb as well, I think um, even if he steps back full-time, we have to remember that there is that opportunity to be him up to be the endurance co-driver with Van Gisbergen, and that could be a very strong pairing next year. Mm. Uh, guys, uh, I need to get your tips now for 
this weekend. Who's going to win the race, first of all, or the races, first of all, and who is going to be the champion at the end of it with Frosty? I guess you can still count Will, but, the, gee, the maths really is uh, uh, what I can't get him into the championship hunt uh, seriously. And then, of course, you've got Jamie and Craig in the Red Bull shootout. Um, I think it's going to be a very, very close weekend, and I think expect the unexpected. But I'd be looking to Gus Tander and Mark Winterbottom to be up there fighting for the race wins. I think Red Bull will be slightly conservative, given the fact that they're 1-2 and they have a lead to protect so I think, you know, those two for the race in, but I think Lowndes will get up. Uh, you know, Jamie, surprisingly, has a really poor record in Sydney, um, and that could come to play, and Craig's the only person to win there twice, so I think he'll have that confidence. Winker, under pressure, can sometimes make the odd error, and as we've seen, errors are punished here. Because Lowndes, you know, play his street circuit form this year has been great. He won on the Gold Coast, won in Adelaide, so I think he'll end the 14-year drought this weekend. What about you, John? Ooh, I might go a slightly different way, I think. Uh, firstly, uh, I think uh, yeah, the, the drivers that uh, Adrian uh, suggested there for, for the win, uh, certainly uh, Frosty and, and Garth will, will always be two drivers that are up there in street circuits. Uh, I, I would throw Shane Van Gisbergen into the mix. Uh, I think he also races very strongly on, on street circuits and, and someone who'll just be... You know, he's always out for, for the win, and uh, so I expect him to be quite strong this weekend. As for the championship battle, uh, I think I think Win Cup will do it again. Uh, I get what Adrian's saying. Uh, I, I think that you know Craig has has that extra experience, and um, you know when it comes to these big tight races, uh, you, you expect uh, that to come through, and and he's someone that very rarely makes mistakes. Uh, on the other hand, J- Jamie Wincup is is a driver who's just so determined and, and so motivated, and um, he'll be putting absolutely everything into this week, and as will Craig. But I I, I think Jamie will will really want to get this fifth title, and um, I it, it it could go one of two ways, but I wouldn't I wouldn't surprise me if he got out in front and and just stayed out there and, and tried to to blitz them really. Uh, so I, I I do believe that that Wing Cup will um, will get the championship this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, John. I, I I I think everyone would love to see Craig get it, but I think Wing Cup is going to turn around a, a lacklustre Sydney record to be able to wrap up his title. And uh, well, we're, we only have to wait a few more days now, guys. Uh, I also should uh, mention in the round table as well. Thanks for coming on the show and congratulations to VX Magazine along with. All the other nominees in the uh, V8 Media Awards this year—it's uh, it's great. I think all but one of the uh, no, all but two of the nominees uh, in this year's award categories have uh, been on the V8 Insiders this year, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to the awards night on Friday night uh, and uh, seeing how everyone and uh, everyone pans out. But uh, Adrian, I know V8X has got a, a number of nominations there as well. Yeah, it's great recognition and it's been a big year for us, um, complete redesign of the magazine and we've also pushed it in new digital platforms, so hopefully everyone's enjoyed the change and um, enjoys the new issue. Um, there's a lot more to come in the new year as well, so stay tuned. 
Well, the white flag lap is up next. Thanks very much, John Bannon and Adrian Mussolino. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, we speak with Jim Richards, the winner of the Touring Car Masters Championship this weekend, and of course, father of the successful Bathurst winner, Stephen Richards, who drove with Frosty Winterbottom in the uh, Pepsi Max Falcon. And, uh, well, we thought Jim would be a great man to ask about his thoughts on who's going to win the V8 Supercar title. Will it be Frosty? Could it be the fan favourite, Craig Lowndes? Or will it be the championship leader, Jamie Wincup? Well, look, no, I personally, I, I, I think um, Jamie Wincup is, is and, we, and we're talking tiny, tiny margins here. I, I think Jamie is the is, is, is the um, the best driver in the class at the moment. Uh, and listen, Craig is so close, it's not funny. And Frosty also. I mean, the way Frosty drove at, at Bathurst and, and even at Phillip Island was, was was fantastic. And there's not a lot between them, but but I, I think I think Jamie will win. I just think he's just a just a just got a Nats whisker more going for him than the other two. But it wouldn't surprise me if the other two got in. But Jamie's probably in the box seat at the moment. Yeah, it's always nice to be leading when you're going into that final round, isn't it? Oh, listen, yeah, it, it is. But I think Jamie's probably a bit misunderstood by the general public because he's probably he's not as high profile as maybe the other guys are. Maybe he's just uh, you know when, when you win a lot. Um, people tend to, to, to go off you, <laughs> and I think that's that's the case with Jamie. I think because he wins a lot, and because he's not that controversial, and he, you know, he's, he's a nice guy, as, as they all are. But they're, they're their own people, and and on and off the track, they all do different things and all mix differently. So, you know, you've got some personalities there, but everyone's different. Mm. It's an interesting situation, isn't it? When you you talk about what makes a driver popular and what uh, what alienates him from the fans. Well, exactly. When you've got a young guy that everyone supports coming up, for instance, or you've got an older guy that's getting, you know, getting towards the end of his supercar career, of course, uh, that can go for you. Um, a young guy coming up, he's as popular as Buggery, but of course, when he starts winning and starts dominating, people think, oh, God, that's, you know, we need someone else to have run a few races. So they go off him, and that's what it's like in all parts. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. As the checker flag waves over another edition, my thanks to Jim Richards, to John Bannon and Adrian Mussolino. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.